Assalamu alaikum, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Radiant Brilliant Show podcast. The Radiant Brilliant Show podcast was created to highlight inspiring individuals using their skills or services to help better their communities. This evening's topic will be about the benefits of travel. I know I'm not the only one that's seen all the beautiful pictures on Instagram showing sparkly blue waters and glittering sands or green lush countrysides or intricate tribal patterns on housing and plates and things of that nature. This evening, I'll have Sister Kiba Hussein to speak with me about her traveling experiences, what inspired her to start taking her trips, and things that we can use to possibly incorporate a traveling lifestyle into our own lives. One quote that I think bears mentioning is from Mark Twain regarding travel. And it said, in Innocence Abroad, he wrote, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. So we're going to kind of open up the conversation regarding travel, the best ways to go about it, the things you need to have to prepare for it, and the best possible solutions to accomplish it. Good evening, Sister Hebo. Thank you so much for being a guest on my program. And good evening, Kimberly, and thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. One word that I've heard people use uh, for people who like to travel is wanderlust. And it said that is a strong desire to travel. My first question for you is traveling just for rich people. Absolutely not. I definitely should not be traveling. And I think it's all about setting your priorities, right? And just making a plan and following that plan. And is every trip a planned vacation? Do you have to have a reason to want to leave where you live to see another place? Um, I guess you just have to be curious and you have to be open-minded. Um, I don't think there is really any plan that goes with it. You just have to have an open mind and a willingness to travel and see something new and learn something new. To be considered a traveler, do all of your excursions have to be international? Can you go state to state or city to city? Yeah, you can go state to state, you can go city to city, and you can even explore your own backyard. Oftentimes, what many people do is they don't travel, and then they figure because they can't go abroad, then they can't do anything. But chances are you haven't even explored your own backyard. You haven't been to all the tourist attractions that other people have seen in your own city. So if you can't afford to go abroad or if you can't or if you can't find time or vacation time to go abroad, I always encourage people to go staycationing instead of staying home one weekend, stay at a hotel and enjoy the perks of being in a hotel, even in your own city, go camping or just even pitch up a tent in, in your own backyard. Do something different. Where are some places that uh, you've had the opportunity to visit or live? Um, yeah, so there are a lot of places that I've had an opportunity to work and live. So to, to begin with, referred to as a third culture kid, um, like I was born in one country, I'm ethnically from a second country, and I was raised in a third country. So my own being, I'm like split between different countries. I've worked in five different countries so far, and I've lived in eight different countries. So in terms of traveling, I think I'm at 45 countries now. So I guess you can say 
a world traveler or even a global citizen. Global citizen sounds excellent for 45 countries. That's that sounds like a lot <laughs> to me. That sounds like a lot. So you sound like you're a vet with it. Regarding traveling, what do you suggest for a beginner? Somebody said, hey, I want to go on a trip. Do they call a travel club first? Do they just whip out a map and throw a dart and decide? What's the first thing you would tell a beginner who was interested in uh, starting to travel? So first and foremost, it really depends on a person's personality. But there are so many groups that you can join. And if you join any of these groups, an example would be Kentucky, which I first used to travel throughout Europe. They organize your your accommodations and how you're traveling from city to city or country to country and the excursions that you go on. And yeah, so you have an itinerary that you can follow and they also give you free time. So if you haven't traveled before, if you haven't, if you don't have any friends to travel with you, that's a perfect opportunity to one, travel with others, and two, for it to be more of a controlled environment if this is not for you. Another option is to buy one of those all-inclusive travel vacations. So again, everything is included from where you're staying, from the airport transfer and your flights. It's up to you what you decide to do once you go to the city. You usually stay at a resort and you have three meals um, and drinks and snacks throughout the day. Again, it's, it doesn't require much planning. All you need really is to pack your own clothes and pay, for, and, and pay for the ticket and then you're done. Now, is traveling just a mindset or can it become more of a lifestyle? I have friends who took one cruise and now they book mm-hmm. at least one year, one, two, three they encouraging me to go. They talk about the fun, kind of like what you mentioned with the all-inclusive. All they have to do is attend. All they have to do is, is book their trip and all the entertainment, um, the places that they'll go once they land, all of that is already set up. But is it just a mindset where you got to think you want to travel or does it become something that you incorporate into how you live? I think initially it's, the, it's a mindset. And once you've traveled, for most people, it then becomes a lifestyle. And you just end up getting the travel bug. You enjoy yourself so much. You learn so much about yourself as well. You realize how easy and how simple it is. And you just continue. Another question that I have um, with us being Muslims, is modesty a concern? I've seen uh, one group on Facebook, I think it was Traveling Muslimas, and they actually uh, book trips, plan them ahead of time. And there are sisters that go together in groups, you know, like for safety reasons, and they find places they can really enjoy that accommodate Muslim dress. Also, just not for Muslims, not everybody has a bear as you dare personality. And some of the places you may go, are they strict as far as the dress codes or permissive of people who may be a little more conservative? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most conservative place that I've been to so far traveling would be Saudi Arabia. And there you would have to wear an abaya if you're traveling there. But at the same time, Saudi Arabia is a country where it's not really easy to get a tourist visa. So most people wouldn't go there. Um, But if you're looking at all the other Islamic countries or Muslim dominated countries, there is really no dress code and you can dress however you want to dress. So um, in terms of how sisters are dressing, I, I don't think it's an issue. And in terms of discrimination or Islamophobia, 
generally this is more of a Western thing um, where I find it's, it's more common in the U.S. And it might be common also in certain areas in Europe. But personally, for me, I've never, ever had an issue traveling as a Muslim. If anything, I am oftentimes the first Muslim someone meets. So people are curious. They want to find out more. They're always shocked that here I am, a single woman, traveling on my own. So that just, you know, that just bursts that whole stereotype where, of course, Muslim women can't do anything on their own. They have to be married. And a husband dictates their lives, right? So they get to see like a real life example of, you know, uh, an, an active Muslim who obviously doesn't fit into that box that the world oftentimes puts us in as Muslim women. Exactly. Exactly. The earth is vast, lots of places to go. How do you pick places to travel? Is it for education, to visit friends, out of boredom? How do you kind of narrow down some of the places that you'd like to visit? Mm-hmm. So for me, my hope inshallah, is to be able to travel to as many countries as I possibly can. Of course, it depends on my mood at times. It also depends on my bucket list. So of course, everyone does tend to have a bucket list. And I try to go to those countries um, first and foremost. Um, I also try to visit places that I've seen other friends post about. But generally speaking, when I'm picking a place to go, I base it on the price. And I, I base it on the proximity. Where do I live at that time? So for instance, when I was living in Dubai, I was traveling around that area. So I was traveling to the Middle East and going places where it was closer and it was cheaper. Like Alhamdulillah, I had an opportunity to go to Palestine and, and visit Palestine at that time. Well, while I was working in Malaysia, I traveled to the neighboring countries and it's, it's much cheaper because you have... Um, cheaper airlines there, like Air Asia. Um, so I had an opportunity to travel to Thailand, to Cambodia, um, to Vietnam, to Laos, um, Singapore, Indonesia, and all the neighboring Asian countries in that area. Now, had I not lived in Asia at the time, I wouldn't have gone to those countries. And right now, for instance, I'm back home, I'm back in Toronto. So whenever I do want to travel, I end up going to the Caribbean because I checked the prices. It's it's not too far of a of a travel. It's about a four hour um, flight. I think it goes down to two things: the proximity and price. And certain times I want to just relax on the beach. Other times I want it to be more educational. And sometimes I just want to go diving. Like I'm a I'm a certified diver, so yeah, as much as possible I, I like to go diving at least once a year whenever I can. Wow, that's that's pretty exciting, especially the part about the certified diver. Also, you mentioned two things I think that were great to help narrow down where you'd like to go first or on a continuing basis, the proximity and the pricing. Mm-hmm. I could see how uh, the closer it is, maybe, maybe uh, the less expensive it might be unless it's a very luxurious um, spot. But pricing and proximity is a great way to create that first box. How expensive is it since we're talking about pricing? And again, traveling always was is communicated as a luxury. Uh, either you're going on a vacation once or twice a year just so you don't get burnt out, or you're traveling to visit family and cousins and things of that nature. And I'm seeing more and more African-Americans actually getting passports and just going places. 
how can someone who's never done it before, maybe two or three suggestions for them to kind of um, pull their resources or tap into things so they can plan to make their first excursion? So I think it all comes down to prioritizing what it is you want out of your life. So would you rather buy three to four cups of Starbucks coffee a week and eat out at, re- at a restaurant um, a couple of times a week instead of packing your own lunch? Or would you rather save that money and use that money to travel? Oftentimes, people will always say to me, um, oh, Hebo, you're rich. You must be rich. You travel around a lot. You know, when you when you look at my lifestyle and you look at other people's lifestyles and we live very different lifestyles for me, first and foremost, I'm a minimalist and I don't like to spend my money on material things. I like to spend my money on experiences because I think that is something that that's more valuable material things. You know, they come and go. And I guess it also helps that I've lived in different countries and I've had to part ways with a lot of my possessions so you learn to live with less when it comes to traveling like if I can give you an example when I go like from Toronto to the Caribbean I'm paying about $800 for an all-inclusive trip so this is 800 Canadian and it includes um, flights to the country so whether it's Cuba or the Dominican Republic or Jamaica um, I usually stay at a four-star resort and they pay for my um, hotel transfer to, from the hotel to the airport and, and vice versa. It includes the meal. It includes meals um, three times a day. So breakfast, lunch and dinner, as well as having access to different restaurants while you're there. So 800 might be on the lower end of things. I think the cheapest tickets that I've seen are probably from anywhere from 600 and depending on what it is that you want and where you're going, you're looking at maybe um, twelve hundred, which personally I think is it's it's quite reasonable. And if I can give you another example, so when I was working in Malaysia before coming home, I figured, hey, I'm in the area, let me take advantage of this time. Um, so I started traveling, and I did this. I organized and planned my own eighteen day journey. Um, I flew. Like I, I went on, I was on four different flights. I was on a cruise for two days and, and a night. I stayed in different accommodations throughout. I was on two different um, night buses during the time. And I got to visit Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. Um, all for, I think it was, it cost me all together, $850. So that's again, 18 days traveling to three different countries, um, going hiking, and seeing these amazing islands. And one of the places that I went to is called Halong Bay. And I think it has about like 1,967 islands. And you stay on this cruise and you sleep overnight. And it's just this most serene and surreal experience. Um, I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And then again, it's 18 days, $850 Canadian. So what do you spend that money on? A lot of people might even spend that money on um, a pair of shoes, a, a, a bag, and, and something else. So again, it goes back to prioritizing. What is it that you want out of life? Do you want to accumulate material things that you use occasionally? Do you want to fill your house with it you're using for decor- decorative purposes? Or would you rather use that money on, on experiences that, you, that, that just broaden your horizon? Wow. And I think that would have to be a decision, I guess, the individual makes, but you do give us a a workable solution for that. 
And also I would say patience because uh, sometimes when you're putting your money away, it seems like it's going to be forever. But then when it's finally time to cash it in and enjoy, I guess that's the, that's the reward of it all. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then after that first time, you kind of have gotten an understanding of what it takes to plan and what you need to look out for and have prepared so that the next time probably is just a little bit easier. Yes. And you get better and better and better. Like I know when I first started traveling, I was a control freak. I needed to know which hotel I'd be staying at and what I would be doing every single day. Now, however, I just book a flight. I hop onto the flight and I usually book somewhere for the first night. And I just go with the flow after that because I'm I'm a more comfortable and, and a more seasoned traveler now. And I find oftentimes if we plan too much, we don't leave room for flexibility. And there's a lot of things that we end up missing out on as a result. Now, when you're going to another country, is immigration an issue? I know that there are a lot of situations and discussions going on here in the U.S. And there are some people who are a little bit afraid that if they leave, they might not be able to come back or they may have problems even entering some other countries. Is that really a concern that someone should have? I guess it it depends on what passport you have. Like if we're being real here as an American or as a Canadian, um, traveling is pretty straightforward. Um, we do have that advantage of not having to get visas ahead of time or in advance um, to most of the countries in the world. And in the working at getting a visa on the spot, like once you once you go to the country, you travel to the country, you get the visa at the airport for a small fee. Um, so I think visas, it's not really an issue. Um, renewing your passport, I'm not sure how it is in the U.S., but it's a straightforward process here. You pay a certain fee, you send in all your information, and you get your passport passport renewed. Now, when it comes to when it comes to customs, um. Like for me personally, like I, I've, I have traveled a lot and I guess through all my, all my travels, I've only been stopped and questioned by customs twice. Um, the first time being Palestine. Palestine, of course, the border is controlled by Israelis and, and they generally tend to stop anyone and everyone um, who enters the country. And they held us, my friends and I, for about nine hours hours and they were interrogating us and counter interrogating mm-hmm. us until they finally let us in at, um, nine hours later and I another time where I did have to um, where I was stopped by customs was when I would travel to New Zealand but that was a different story altogether because you, you have to fill out an, a customs form generally when you go from when you go f- to different countries and on my form it asked me which countries I've traveled to in the last um, in the last month, and I had six different countries on there, and then I had a seventh country where I was currently residing, which was the UAE, where I was working in Dubai, and then another question that they asked on the form was um, which country, which was the last country that I lived in for twelve months or more, and it was in Dubai because I was I was I, I I was new to Dubai at the time, and it was Saudi Arabia, so mm-hmm. I had like eight different countries on my on my customs card. So they pulled me over and they just wanted to figure out who is this person? Why is she traveling to all, to all these places? But once they once they realize you're just here for tourism, they thank you and they say, enjoy, enjoy, this, enjoy our country. 
And that's about it. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like any kind of hiccups, which is procedural. Yeah, it's procedural. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now we've mentioned some terms that people who don't travel like myself, you know, yet, inshallah, may Mm -hmm. not uh, be familiar with like a typical jargon when you were explaining passports or different types of passports. Um, And also duty-free, that's a word that I've heard from people who travel and customs. Can you break down about the passport, how they can get it, I guess, respective of where their region is that they live, what uh, duty-free means, and when you have to go through quotation marks customs? Um, Right. So when it comes to passports, I guess you get it from the country that you live in. So here in, in Canada, I would apply for my passport through the Canadian passport office. So I'm assuming in the U.S. there's probably a, like a U.S. passport office. You should have to provide um, proof of identification, whether it's a birth certificate um, or, or your, your um, driver's license. They usually ask for um, referees, people who know you and who can attest to your identity. Um, you have to provide passport pictures as well as pay a fee for the whole processing of it. Um, and if like here, we can get a five-year passport or we can get a 10-year passport and it ends up being cheaper to buy the 10-year one and less of a hassle because it expires in 10 years. Um, so there must be the equivalency in the U.S. to the Canadian passport office. Um, over here, it's, it takes about, I think it was three weeks three weeks once you once you um, apply for your passport. Now, the second thing that you asked about you, the second term was, was it customs? The duty-free, like the term duty-free. Duty-free, yeah, mm-hmm. so duty-free. So duty-free is when you buy something at the airport, generally, and you don't have to pay taxes. So, um, it, so oftentimes ends up being cheaper. A lot of people, like I, when traveling, I've seen people buy like 70 inch TV, flat, flat screens, TV screen, TVs. Um, I usually find that mo- lot, most of the people who do duty free shopping, they'll buy electronics, they'll buy watches, they'll wa- buy a lot of accessories. And um, because again, you don't have to pay taxes. So if you live in a country where you're paying and 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 like a crazy amount, uh, crazy percentage of ca- of taxes, then you don't have to really worry or concern yourself. You don't have to pay taxes, so you're saving some money. And um, for me personally, honestly, I haven't really bought anything from duty free, only because I'm a very light traveler. I traveler, I travel when I do travel. I travel with a um, with a carry on, and I can't. I don't. I don't really have space to put anything. So the third term was customs. Yes. So customs are officials who work for the government that you're that you're the, for the country that you're entering. And for instance, right now, if I was to travel to the U.S., once I enter the U.S., I would be questioned by customs officials, and um, it is their responsibility to find out if I'm actually Hilo Hussein, and I am carrying my own passport. Um, they want to find out what the purpose of my travel is, whether it's for business or leisure or or just visiting or even studying. And if I have the correct visa, so as a Canadian, again, I don't need a visa to enter the U.S. And you have to make sure that you provide them with the place that you're staying, 
um, your accommodations. You need to make sure you have that you have your you have the address of where you're staying. And um, you also need to um, show have proof of where when you're going to leave. It, a lot of people when they travel, they're unaware of that and they'll travel somewhere and they won't have the information because maybe someone's picking them up at the at the air, at the airport. Um, so then they literally make you call whoever it is that you need to call and you have to provide them with that information without providing them with that inf information. It's they can they can they can decide not to let you in the country. So, yeah, so customs is generally something that everyone has to go through um, whenever they travel. And um, it depends on the, uh, the customs official that you get. But generally, is again, it's just a process. They ask you for your name. They look at your passport. They look at your face. Um, in some places, they ha do have like a retina scanner or fingerprint check as well. Um, it varies from country to country. And they ask, they have you fill out a form where you provide information of where you're staying, how long, how long you're staying, if you have any possessions on you, um, if you have any firearms, if you have any um, food on you, you have to make sure that you let them know because it might be illegal to transport those things into the country. And then the last thing is, I think it was the amount of money you're carrying. Um, it depends on the country, but I know here in, the, in Canada, you cannot enter with more than $10,000. If you do, you have to mention it and then they'll out why you have over $10,000 in cash. I've heard of that before saying like you have to, I've heard it uh, fashion saying that you have to declare so much money or declare. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So unless, if, if it's less than 10000 you don't have to declare it. If it's more than 10000 then yes, you have to declare it, and they usually pull you aside, and they'll question you further. All righty. So when I see all those memes about people who are just fed up and they want to just leave America and go on a trip, they're going to have to do their research. It's just oh, not yeah. as easy as getting on a plane and going over the water. They also want to know if they need a visa, and if so, how much it costs, because you might go to the country, and then they'll ask you for $50, and you might not have $50 on you. So, yeah, you need to make sure if you need a visa for that country and if you can get it, there's a fee for the visa as well. What are some benefits to seeing other states or countries? Or I know I read the quote regarding uh, from Mark Twain previously about how it can really expand your mind. As an educator, what are some benefits that uh, you've experienced from visiting other places? Well, I would say it's the best teacher, to be honest. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've always liked social studies when, it's, um, when I was in school, but there's nothing, there's, you can't even compare the two, like reading a book and actually going to a country and immersing yourself in that country and the culture and, and eating the food and talking to the people. Um, it's just, it, you really learn a lot from, the, from those experiences. As a teacher, personally, I wish every child in the world could travel to different countries. Um, like right now where I'm working, I'm working for Kaplan and we have international students who come in and, and study English where we are. And they're, you know, they come for a couple of months, they immerse themselves in the Canadian culture here. And, they, and meanwhile, they're also learning English. So when they go back, they go back a, a lot more mature than they came, Canadians themselves, or other fellow travelers, um, because it, it, it is a school where there are international students. I think like in my one class alone, 
I'll have students from nine different countries um, in, in one place. Um, but as for us, we do live like we do live, we're very fortunate enough to be able to live in a multicultural society. So we do get to meet people from other countries. But it's not authentic because at the end of the day, we're all hyphenated characters. We're all Chinese American or Somali Canadian like myself or African American or Italian American. At the end of the day, we're all still American or Canadian. But when you do go and travel to these other countries, you really get to experience the real authentic culture. And I think it, it helps you grow in ways that you wouldn't have even, ima- you can't even imagine how, 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 how much growth there is in that. I've always heard that mentioned when they were encouraging reading about how it expands your mind and takes you places. Mm -hmm. Um, But it sounds like it's even more punctuated when you physically step out and go to those places. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, you're using all your senses. So when you're reading, you're merely just reading a book and you're relying more on your imagination. But when you do travel to these places, you're using all five of your senses. You know, you're seeing things for the first time. You're smelling things. You're hearing things. Um, You're able to really get a full experience of this culture. Now we do have documentaries. We do have a lot of travel shows. It's very different when you're the one, when you're the main actor and, and you're the one exploring and experiencing these things. Hmm. I like what you said that when you're when you're the main actor, uh, you're the one initiating these these experiences. Is there an, mm-hmm. a place that you visited that you just loved, and what was it that you loved so much about it? Like uh, one place that you went to. Hmm. People always ask me that, and it's very difficult to say um, a place. But let's see. Well. Okay, let's talk about Riviera Maya. I had an opportunity to go there back in. I think it was 2011 or 2012. And I got to learn a lot about the Mayan culture. So this is, of course, an ancient civilization that um, and they built all these pyramids at the time, um, like the Chichen Itza. And it was amazing being able to go there and see these magnificent pyramids that were built and you try to think to yourself, wow, like, how did they build it? Similar to, like, the pyramids in, in Egypt or all the temples that you would see in, uh, in Cambodia, in Angkor Wat. Um, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I learned a lot of history. And I was able to visit Mayan villages, talk to the people. And I was able to snorkeling and scuba diving and swimming with dolphins and turtles and all these different things. Um, and then, of course, you have the, the city where you can go shopping and you get to immerse yourself in the nightlife there. And it's it's such a vibrant place. And the food, the Mexican food, what can, how can work can even start when it comes to Mexican food? Just having traditional, authentic Mexican food and not paying American prices or Canadian prices for it. And it's the real deal. For my senior trip um, in high school, we had the option of, I believe, going to Europe. But I really loved the Spanish language and culture. And a few of us opted to go to Mexico, go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we had a teacher who kind of put together a program. It was a very small number of us. So I, I'm surprised to hear, but I was overwhelmed as well when I was able to go to Mexico and climb some of the pyramids because some of them were just mm-hmm. entirely too high um, to see the pyramids 
to see the mummies, to visit the silver mines. And um, again, the food, that was my first time ever having turtle soup and Mm -hmm. to parasail, to ride a donkey, uh, to be under a waterfall. (laughs) And one thing I will say in reference uh, back to that Mark Twain quote, for all the negative things that people say about um, immigrants or people from Mexico, if you go to Mexico, Mexicans are running it. They're running the banks. They're running the restaurants. They're running the businesses. They're driving all the cabs. So for everything that I saw here and heard here, and especially in the current political situation we have now in America, a lot of negative things are said about their intelligence or how they raise their families. And you've heard it's heart, it's heartbreaking to hear those things, but you go over to Mexico and who's in charge of it. Mexicans are in charge. So I do agree that by visiting other places, you can get out of what square box rhetoric or lifestyle that's been applied to you and see how the rest of the world lives and also what the rest of the world thinks about the people where you're from. Absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. Is crime an issue? I know there are people who are afraid to travel to certain uh, (laughs) zip codes in their own city, let alone uh, go to another country. Is that something that's a concern? Personally, for me, I would not say crime is an issue. I know when I, when I first told my family and friends that I was traveling to Mexico on my own, everyone was freaking out. You know, saying, oh, you know, you're going to get killed if you go there. But the reality is anywhere and everywhere you go is exactly like the city that you came from. Yes, there are there are er- certain areas you shouldn't venture off to, but it's it's not the entire city. It's not the entire country. You just have to be street smart. And there are some cities that are very well known for, let's say, for pickpocketing, like Rome, Paris, Barcelona. So if you're going to those cities, um, then, you know, you just have to be you just have to be more precautious. And and like if you're, if you're on a subway, you want to make sure that you have your bag at, bag in front of you and not behind you. And you just have to be real smart about how you do things. But when it comes to crime, honestly, like with all my travels, I have never been a victim of any crime. And um, the closest thing that I can say that has ever happened to me is maybe when I was in Barcelona, where a woman tried to pickpocket me and I caught her with her hands in my in, in my in my bag. And um, I think that was the worst of it. And luckily I got it in time and you know, I got her hand out of my bag and everything was in there. But yeah, it just goes back to being smart and being vigilant and being aware of your environment and not going to areas that even locals don't go to. Hmm. Alhamdulillah, I'm glad that was not a super negative experience for you. And that is a great advice, you know, do your research once again, doing your research, whether it's cost, whether Mm -hmm. it's proximity, the lay of the land, how it goes. If the locals wouldn't even go, who do you think you are? Super traveler. We've got about three more minutes left um, before I wrap up the podcast. And I want to thank you again for taking your time to break down so much of this information. And I really hope that there are people who listen to it who are able to orchestrate their own plans. And I believe you've helped it sound much more attainable in taking the trip, like you said, starting your own backyard. City to city, state to state, outside of the country, go abroad. But make sure you you educate yourself as to the things that you need. Could you name really quickly three things that you would have to deal with 
to know that you'd be comfortable enough to travel, like maybe three things that if you're going to be a traveler, you're going to have to have this under control or be ready to take care of this before you go? Hmm, it's a good question. Okay. So I think first and foremost, it goes back to, again, Mark Twain's quote. And I think it goes down to being ready and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. When you travel, everything is new absolutely everything is, is new from where you're staying perhaps the language that people are speaking to speaking in um, and you have to be able to allow yourself to let other people help you and kind of to to accept that you're not in control and once you're not in control then it puts you in a very vulnerable position where you have to depend on others Um, So for some people, it's very difficult for them to allow themselves to be vulnerable because it's not a comfortable position to be in when you're not in control. So I think that would be the first point. Um, The second point is you have to be someone who's adaptable and flexible because regardless of how much planning you do, things will go wrong and you have to be able to adapt and, and change your plans accordingly and be flexible. You might be in a situation where You'll be in, a, in, a, in an area where no one speaks English and you do not know the language and you can get information or a, necessary information that you may need. For the third point, especially for those who are planning on maybe perhaps moving abroad, I would say you have to be someone who's comfortable with yourself and you have to know how to be alone. Because oftentimes you will face situations where it can be very lonely. You left everything that you knew. You're going to a new city, a new town, new country, sometimes halfway across the world. You're going to have to make new friends. There will be times where you're sitting home alone and you have no one to call or no one to say, hey, let's do this. So you have to be able to um, socialize with others, one, and be able to make friends and be comfortable just being alone and, and being comfortable with, with having your own company at times, especially in the earlier stages of your trip. So yeah, so I guess those would be the three things. One, allow yourself and be ready to be vulnerable. Two, you have to make sure that you can adapt and be flexible. And three, be comfortable being with yourself, knowing how to be alone. Those are absolutely great answers. Exactly what I was looking for. Something that uh, people could lay down and say, hey, is this me? Or maybe I need to work on it before I put myself in a position so far from home. I want to thank you, Hebo, for joining me this evening and giving us all this information and encouragement and actual workable solutions regarding traveling and its benefits. Before we close out, is there any main point or anything you'd like to leave with the listeners? I think if we go back to the prophet when he said, take advantage of five before five and your youth before your old age, your health before your illness, your wealth before you're broke, your um, free time before your busy time and your life before your death. So we're all at different stages in our life. I think it's important to make use of whatever stage you have. The time where you have less responsibilities, where you have some extra cash laying around and you still have your youth travel Go out and travel at that time because if you wait till you retire, you may have all the money in the world. You may also have all the time in the world, but you will not have the same energy. So as much as possible, try to get that done when you're younger. Take advantage, as the prophet said, 
take advantage of your youth before your old age and your wealth before you're broke, your free time before you're busy and your health before your illness. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so very much for that. On top of all of this information, you're also leaving us with a reminder. That's that's excellent. Well, again, thank you, Sister Hebo, for joining me. I will go ahead and close out this episode of the Radiant Brilliant Show. Assalamu alaikum to you. And for everyone who joined in, thank you, alhamdulillah. I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in for another episode of the Radiant Brilliant Show podcast. The Radiant Brilliant Show podcast can be found at www.theradiantbrilliantshow.com. That's all the old and new episodes. You can also find us on Instagram under TRBS Podcast, on Facebook, iTunes, Google, and Cast FM under The Radiant Brilliant Show, just the name The Radiant Brilliant Show. On Twitter, we're listed as Team Uma, T-E-A-M-U-M-M-A-H. And if you have any questions or feedback or you'd like to be a guest, shoot me an email to the radiant brilliant show at gmail.com thank you so much for listening in and hanging with me this first two years and we will see you next week